Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. I pray you had a blessed week. Uh, you had a good time this morning. We're starting a new series called Hope. The idea I got from this series was a book I read from Max Licato, Unshakable Hope. And I read it about a year and a half ago. I think it was kind of prophetic. So I decided I'm going to make a series, on, especially in the time in, in which we live. So I wanted to make that uh, series. And what we're going to do is capture a lot of the promises of God. We're going to deep dive into the Bible, find those promises, those which will, you know, will encourage us, which actually springs forth our, our hope. So I'm really excited about that. So today's word um, message title today is called Promises. So we're going to talk about God's promises. We're going to kick it off. But I really want to give you an explanation of what hope is. What is hope? Well, Bible, I wrote this down. Bible hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and his strength is in his faithfulness. Listen to that. And his strength, our hope is strength is in his faithfulness. Really, our hope is anchored in God's character. Hope is anchored in God's character, which is very exciting. So the next several weeks, we're going to unpack some promises, some deep promises that really, I think, will encourage us in this time of where we are, the coronavirus and all the things that are changing and employment and all the economic downturn, all that that will encourage us through this, this trial that we're in right now. I, I, had, looks, I had a guy look up some information for me. Do you know there's about 7,487 7, promises in the Bible? 7,487 uh, 7, promises. Some are positive and some are negative. <laughs> but I love 1 Corinthians 1.20. It says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's why it's through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. And what he's saying, our yes, all our promises in Jesus, in him, he says, we find our yes, we find amen, we find those fulfillment through Christ himself. So that's what gives us really uh, encouragement in that. With Christ comes the promises. And I really love this, this quote by Max Licato. He said, promises are the stitching in the spine of the Bible. Promises are the stitching in the spine. Because what he's saying, this whole book is about redemption. About redeeming us back into a right relationship with God. That is amazing. And the scripture we're going to use today, the pastor we're going to use today, is 2 Peter 1.4. And Peter's unveiling some things to some people, and I'll give you a, I'll give you a um, backdrop on that after I read it. It says this, By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful nature. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. I ask that you, through your Holy Spirit, illuminate your life, your word, into our hearts. We're surrounded with problems. But Father, we are also surrounded by your promises. Let us choose promises over problems. Encourage us in this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give you a little backdrop on who Peter was talking to. His audience was, if you know, in, it was some Jews that were scattered all over Asia Minor, which is today's modern-day Turkey. And they were dealing, they were in different societies, and they were trying to live for God in that area. Well, two things started happening. They started encountering uh, trials and started tri uh, persecution, and also false teachings started to rise up. So P Peter wrote First P Peter 1 and First Peter 2 to encourage them and let them know all their, all their, um, 
all their source of life and truth only comes from um, the gospel itself. And when he gets there, he starts in verse 3. Verses, we went started in 4, but I'm going to go back to verse 3. He says, it's given us divine, God has given us divine power. And how do we receive that divine power? Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we call the, today the gospel, the good news. We receive the divine power to live um, a victorious life, to live a life that mirrors what, uh, the character of Christ. We grow into that. And it says you, knew, you grow into that by the more you know God, the more you grow in him. And that was the whole idea. But it comes to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which qualifies us what he says. Because the Bible, if you read it, it's broken up into areas. It says there's the promise of Jesus to us and the promises of Jesus for us. <clears throat> and the scripture's broken out. Talking about we have to be given divine power from Jesus to us. And then we get down to verse 4. He's granted to his precious promise, but Jesus for us. Because he believes, gives us those precious promises. So let's unpack that. I love that. Um, I love what Titus 1-2 says. It's a promise that says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. The promise of Jesus to us and the promises of Jesus for us. And God never lies. That is amazing. So you'll see in verse 4, it says, the promise, he has granted to us precious and great promises, which are given to us, unearned, they were given to us. Remember, everything that God wants to put, in, put forth, he'll confirm, he'll do it himself. All he needs us to, do, to obey him. Given to us. But it says this, God's promises are not just valuable, they're precious. They're not just great, they're very great. And when you look up the Greek word of very great, it means this, exceedingly great. Exceedingly great. And that is amazing promise from God. And when I looked at this passage, I have one point that I want to share with the state and really hammer into our lives as we're starting off this new series. Since God's word is unbreakable, your hope can be unshakable. Since God's word, his promises are unbreakable, your hope can be unshakable. That should bring peace to our souls. His word is unbreakable. What are you talking about, Pastor? How is his word unbreakable? Well, we always talk about all things are possible to God. There's nothing that he can't do, but there's one thing that he can't do, which is impossible for him to do, and that's to lie. He can't lie. He can't go against his own character. I love Hebrews 6.18. It says, so that there are two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. He will not change his mind. Now, we have, have relatives or we have friends who have made promises to us. And with, depending on the condition, depending on the circumstance, they change their mind. God's uh, word, God's promises, it's impossible for him to change. It's impossible to tell a lie. He will not do that. It's against his character. It doesn't matter if there's circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going on. His word is true, and he will not lie. He will not go back on it. I love in the Old Testament. He's not a person that would change his mind <laughs> like we would. It's his, his impossible for him to lie. And I love that should be, give us security and, and peace in that. Also, 
You don't realize God is faithful. He's faithful. Let us hold, it says in Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. Now here's the thing. We can't, we don't have to have a wavering, a wavering hope because we don't have a wavering God. So his hope, our hope is actually anchored in the faithfulness of God. He is faithful, like I said earlier. He is faithful. The Bible says even when we're faithless, he is faithful. When Abraham was walking with God, he fell short, but God did never fall short on him. He told him, I'm gonna, we're going to put this thing through. Even if you, if, you, uh, if you make a misstep, I'm here to correct your step, and I'm here to really bring this to pass. That's what he says. It's, impo it's impossible for the lad, but he's also faithful. But also, Abraham was able to discover one thing. Whatever God's, God is able to do, whatever he says... Abraham was saying this out of a world that he knew he was beyond age of having children, him and Sarah. But he says in Romans 4.21, Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Why? Because God's power is unlimited. I'm limited. Abraham's condition was limited, but God's power is unlimited. And his purpose is unwielding. It's not going to stop. He had a purpose. I want to bring an heir to you. Through you, Abraham and Sarah, I want you to remember, just believe. And uh, he worked that through Abraham. Took 25 years for him to be fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised, which is God is able to do whatever he says. And God is able. It's a statement of faith. When you see things one way, and he's not, he didn't deny where he was, but he also recognized the reality of who God is. And that's where we are today. We don't deny that this coronavirus is, 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 is uh, wreaking havoc on us, but we realize who God is. And those are two realities we live in, and we have to feed one and starve the other, as I talked about last week. But you see here that, really, I wrote this down in faith. Faith is a deeply held belief that God will keep his promises. Really, it's a deeply held belief that God his character will never falter. He says, I love this story. It's the story of Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 through 13. And Jesus is walking through the city, and he meets a centurion, non-Jew. Centurion had a servant that was just sick. He was in a bad state, about to die. He runs up to Jesus and says, If you will, Father, if you will, Jesus, I have a servant that is laying ill, if you would just uh, come and heal him, I will, I will really appreciate this, basically. Jesus said, I'll come. The well, centurion, just being in, in the presence of Jesus, felt very unworthy. And I'll never want us to feel unworthy in front of Christ. But he said, I'm not, a man, I'm not worthy of you to come to my house. But if you just say the word, he said this in verse 8, only say the word and my servant will be healed. Well, Jesus was usually marveled at the unbelief. He marveled at this man's belief, at his faith. And he said this in verse 13. He says, go, 12, he says, go, and your servant will be healed. The centurion goes and says in verse 13, and the servant was healed that very moment. The very moment just said, Jesus said he is healed. All right, when we learn here, his promises, God's promises enables also, now we get down to verse 
14, again, we're there. It says this. His promises enables us to participate in the divine nature, which is I call a new reality, a holy environment. But really, divine nature is living more like him. Our character starts to develop as we start living it. And we don't have to work hard at it. God is, is perfecting our characters. You start to read down about building our faith and building all those things, uh, kindness, all those things in our lives that he's helping work in us. And we don't have to walk around like we're perfect, but we're being perfected. But it only happens through divine power that we receive. Um, and then now we have a divine nature that we walk in, which is a new reality, different than the uh, reality that's in front of us. In a holy environment, which is now escapes the corruption in the world, which is that word um, sinful, which means lust. It's just so basically you're living for God wholeheartedly. And not one foot in, one foot out. But you're growing as you're knowing him deeper. And that's what, as you, and the promises become more solid in you the closer you get to him. And how many know these times that we live in today, it's good to be very close to God and getting closer. So what are some of the promises that we need to be reminded of today? Because I believe we have to remind ourselves every day where we are today about God's promises. And so this is the first one I want to really encourage you with because we're all locked in, feeling isolated. Um, here's one I love. The Lord is with us. Really, the Lord is with you. This comes out of, get out of the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 12. Gideon is called, he's going to be a judge who's going to deliver Israel out of bondage. And Gideon doesn't feel like he should be a, a, a man of honor or a man of valor. He's hiding in the wine press, hiding from the Midianites. And he comes from the least tribe. He's also feeling um, deserted by God. And the angel shows up and says, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. And at that point in, after God defined who he was, he started to operate on his definition that God called him. But he never felt he was, he was, by, he was with himself. Every man or woman of God that you see in the Bible, when God puts, um, activates them, he says, I'm with you wherever you go. Even when we're in our houses right now feeling isolated, you're with, God is with you everywhere you go. And so, mighty man of valor, old woman, a man of faith, I am with you in the midst of this coronavirus. I, am, I have not abandoned you. I am here with you and for you. I'm for you, not against you. These amazing promises, the Lord is with you. And Gideon came out of hiding and went public and was able to do some amazing things uh, through God empowering him. Second one is, we all know this, we all, we all also uh, quote this quite often. That I, here's a takeaway from it. All things work together for good. And we get that from Romans 8.28. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now we'll see a couple things here. All things, which means all things, good, bad, positive, negative. God takes them to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Because he'll take whatever evil's purpose was and turn it into his purpose and make it amazing. So wherever we are today, all things would turn out for the good for us. We might not see it, but it's guaranteed in his word. And I said this a few weeks ago, just because we don't see it doesn't mean God has a plan for it. And God has a plan for it. He makes all things good. 
We just have to trust him. I know that the question is, God, if you're so good, why is this happening? Well, he knows we live in a fallen world, and he lets us have choice, but he's also with us all through it. He hasn't abandoned us, and he's working all things for our good. Last thing is, I put down here, Jesus said this one with the disciples when he was about to leave. Guys, you're going to feel like you're going you're gonna to have a problem leaving. You're going to feel abandoned. But I want you to know this, and there's going to be trouble when I leave. He said this in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, but that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation, which is trouble, okay, which is a promise. <laughs> but take heart. I have overcome the world. We can overcome because Jesus overcame. There's nothing that we're not going through that Jesus didn't go through. It says that in Hebrews. He understands. He's been there with us. That's why he came to, to demonstrate how we can live a, a, a godly life here on earth. Not perfect, because he was perfect, but being perfected, which is amazing. Because you'll see here, he promises you'll have peace only in him. Now, that word peace today, means, uh, means it means peace in him. But how we describe peace today is a lack of trouble. But that's not, that's not the definition of this peace. It has to be in him. He constantly promises you'll have trouble in this world. That's a promise. But you'll have peace in me. And not the peace of absence of trouble in the midst of trouble. But he says this, but take heart. Cheer up. Have strength. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I have gone through this, and you will make it through this. And I, since I overcame, you can overcome. That's where you get the word overcoming. And that needs to excite you because there's always trouble. Seems like trouble keeps changing every single day. And we hear a lot of bad news. But we realize the news that we will have trouble here. But we'll have peace in Christ. Not in a bottle. Not in drugs. Not in other things. Other people. In Christ. Love that. When you look at that, we'll see, when I'm going through these promises, you see a couple, you see uh, one thing here. For every problem in life, God has given us a problem, a promise. For every problem in life, God has given us a promise, which is amazing. Like, and if you're dealing with a problem, anxiety, only goes to Philippians 4 4. It says this don't be anxious for anything, but pray about everything. And go to Matthew 6, 33. Now, don't be anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry. Those are problems. Those are the internal problems that we're all dealing with today. But there's a promise against your problem. So you want to lean on the problem, and you lean less on the, uh, on the, on the promise, and you lean less on your problem. You want to lean more on your promise. So here's a choice that we have. We boil this all down. You can, we can, we can reflect, reflect on the problems or we can remember his promises. You can choose anxiety or we can choose hope. We can reflect on problems, lean on those, or we can remember his promises. You can choose anxiety or you can choose hope. And that's where we are today. Realities. What do we do? Well, I tell you in the very beginning about a divine power to live right that only comes through Jesus Christ. 
through the resurrection and the death, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you're an unbeliever and you're watching this this morning, it's your perfect opportunity to get the first thing right. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Here's a promise. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise. If you give your life to Jesus, you will be saved. And then you start this new life and you start to receive the divine power and divine nature as you're walking through this thing together. But it's hard to do this outside of Christ. The promises don't really work outside of Christ. And you have the opportunity. That's where you would start. And I'll give you a number that you can, you can text and get a hold of us. That's where you will actually start. The gospel is where you would start. Now, we're a believer, and we've been walking with God alone. You know our, you know our definition. Around, we know one of our points here is about having spiritual foundations to make sure our life is built on the right thing. And we drill that into our church all the time. What you want to do as a believer right now, you want to start building your life on the promises of God. Now, you remember a story in Matthew 7, uh, 24 to 27, which I think is so relevant today. Talk about two men that built a house. One built it on sand, which built it on society, or his job, or his personality. The other one built it on the rock, which signifies Christ. But it says, when the flood, the rain, and the wind beat about those houses. One's house stood, the other one had a great fall. One, the difference between what they call a foolish man and a wise man one heard the word and did the word. He built his house upon them. He built his house upon the promises of God. He built his house upon the foundation of the word of God. The other one didn't. He built his, and where are we seeing now? How many know the rain and the flood and winds are beating against our house through the coronavirus? It'd be a great fall, but you can always rebuild it on the right foundation if you're a believer in Jesus. You can build on the right foundation. Even if you're unbelieving, now you want to ship, you want to build your house upon the rock, which will not, will, it will not say we're going to be storm uh, free. It just said we're going to be storm proof. And right now, all our foundations are being checked, even mine. As I was writing this sermon series just a couple days ago, <laughs> and before I even got to my first sentence, I got a text that was put me in a, in a tailspin. And I had to sit back and I had to pray. And I had to um, ask God, okay, what do I do? I took some action. Then I asked him for help. Next thing I know, I had another text from the boss, I call him. And he gave me, and he asked me if I was going to do something, which I was already working on. I don't know, and God must have told him, Rich needed a call. And I said, I'm, I'm doing this. He says, I would do this. I said, boss, thank you for the advice. And then the next day, I had another call from somebody. Hey, are you working on this? Because you're eligible to do this. And I said, this is such an amazing thing. But even I had a moment, and I didn't react. I want to respond. And how do you respond? Well, you, when your house is built on a rock, all I started to do, I read, I started to pray. I mean, I started to proclaim what God said in his word, and I started to pray what God said in his word. So I proclaimed. And I pray the promises of God. When I pray the promises of God, I will not pray in error. But those three things, if you've never given your life to Jesus, it's your first point. You want to start that. If you're a believer, you really want to start a daily habit of getting in your Bible 
You start mining out those words, especially the, and here's where you start. Wherever you're dealing with it as a problem or in your life, go find that promise. Go to back your Bible. There's no shame in that. And find that promise and start building your life upon the promises of God. The third thing is you want to start, whatever you read, you want to start, um, you want to proclaim it, put it on your lips. And then you want to start praying it. Now, I can't tell you the situation has changed, but it gave me wisdom for the, to overcome that situation. And I want to encourage you with that in these times that we're in. Again, if you need to connect with us and give your life to Jesus, here's a, here's a, here's a, um, a phone number. It's 325-455-2555. Say it again. 325-455-2555. If you want to give your life and you want to connect with us. Also, if you need prayer, say that same number. And if you're a first-time guest and you want to connect with us, that same number. 325-455-2555. We want to connect with you. We don't want you to be, feel alone. We really want you to be engulfed and have hope in God's amazing promises for us so we can help us get through this. He doesn't take us around us. He helps us get through this. And that's what God wants us to do. He gives us precious and promises and very great promises that we can rely on, and he can guarantee. Whatever God says, he's going to do. Remember that. Build your life. Our anchor is hope. Our hope is anchored in Christ himself, and that's anchored in heaven, and we will not shift. That doesn't shift. God doesn't change. doesn't change his mind. He loves you. He adores you. He's for you. He's not against you. He knows where we're all at. He knows where we're going through. It's not about, don't, when you start reading your Bible, don't get caught up in quantity of time. It's about quality of time. Because we know you're homeschooling and you're doing a whole lot of different things and your schedules have been completely changed and flipped upside down. But find that time to get with them. If you don't know Jesus right now, you, and when this is over, give your life and give us a text. And we'll get some material to you to start building a strong foundation in your lives. You guys are amazing. I look forward to seeing you on Easter Sunday. I will get a hold of you this week, let you know some things that are going to be taking place. Love you. You're amazing. Good morning <laughs> again.